everyone and welcome to our podcast. Um, we are three girls, Martina, Christina and Barbara, and we're doing podcasts about anything. Uh, Christina and Barbara, they are in Sydney at the moment and I'm traveling and I've been lucky to meet Adam, who is our guest today. And he's a teacher and principal, but not just your usual teacher, but he is actually teaching in remote communities for 12 years. So, which is pretty interesting, and yeah, we want to just ask you like so many questions today. So <laughs> sounds good. I'll try to answer as best I can. Hi, Adam. Thank you again for joining us. <laughs> we appreciate that. Um, so, at, at, first of all, I would like to ask you just like some general knowledge. Uh, so, when where are you from, and where did you study as well, and when did you like um, decide to become a teacher? Yeah, I, I kind of. I'll answer that last one. I probably always wanted to be a teacher as far as I can remember. All my family are mechanics, uh, so my mother pushed me away from being a mechanic, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> she said, go make some money, or uh, not that I'm making that much money, but uh, probably better than mechanics. So, yeah, I was kind of pushed into it through my mum for teaching and developed a love uh, for that. I sort of struggled at school, not academically, but probably – just being able to concentrate <laughs> myself. So mm. I kind of had teachers like everyone that you loved and uh, so I was influenced by those teachers. So that's probably why I became a teacher. Uh, I'm from a place called Coonabarabran in northwest New South Wales, so a country boy. <laughs> and then I went <laughs> to Bathurst University, which is just over the mountains from Sydney, and uh and studied a Bachelor of Education Primary. So I was a primary, te primary school teacher. Uh, so I, again, struggled uh, at university, not academically. I was pretty good at that, but uh, there was lots of distractions at university, like most people find, particularly young country boys. Um, so uh, <laughs> there was a lot of distractions at university for me. So I actually... Uh, I went to the head lecturer and uh, said, look, I'm going to quit. I want to travel around Australia. And I had about a year to go, I think, maybe not even. And she said, no, nah, you're not quitting. So she said, why don't you go do your final prac um, or your second last prac up in Jabiru in the Northern Territory? And so that was in 2004, I think. And uh, and so instead of quitting, I actually travelled Australia but went and did a prac up in Jabiru. Wow. And that was wow. sort of my first taste of Indigenous communities. And how was it? How was the, like, the first, like, you know, going to community? Did it, like, meet your expectations or it was like, whoa, this is super cool? And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, I was, so what was I then? Probably... Um, 21, 20, something like that. So I was pretty young. Uh, Jabiru was a mining town, so it was still sort of uh, quite a few uh, white people and uh, and kids of miners there as well. But then you had the local kids. So that was a great taste. I also went across to Gumbalanya uh, a bit to visit the school there. So, yeah, I got to take it. was very exciting, I think, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. Just the unknown of what a day was going to hold 
was probably the exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like most people that come up to this part of the world, including Martina, it, it is an adventurous uh, place, a beautiful place, uh, a bit untouched. And I think that's mm-hmm. what gets you, particularly as a teacher, um, you know, teaching in these classes if you don't, if you're not there, there's a possibility that maybe there won't be a teacher there that day. It's very hard to get one. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the exciting thing that drew me to it, I guess. Good. So, how long you were a teacher? Uh, so, I after all that, I then met my now wife and uh, started teaching down south, and I didn't end up moving to the Northern Territory. So. Uh, I've been pretty much a teacher since uh, probably about 15 years I've been a teacher. Okay. Yeah, 40, and well, how long in remote community? And about 11 years. 11 years. Community. Wow. I did about three or four years before we came back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what communities you have been into? Yeah. So um, if you know the Northern Territory or if you don't, mm-hmm. um, so there's a big, big chunk of the Territory in the in the top top end, the northeast, uh, called Arnhem Land, and that's sort of broken up into east and west. So I was in East Arnhem for five years uh, at a place called Gapuiak, and so um, the people there, the traditional owners there are Yungo, and uh, there's sort of 16 families, which could be classed as, say, clans, and they've all got their own language within Yungo Matta within Yungle culture. So there's sort of six languages there. So that's where I was for the first part uh, for five years and then uh, had a little break uh, for a year and went back down to New South Wales and discovered that that wasn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) uh, We came straight back up and then I went across to a place called Nganmarianga, which is um, from Gapuiak. It's about a 1,000 kilometres to the west um, if anyone's been up to the Territory and been mm. to Adelaide River, if you get to Adelaide River and then head west, another few hundred k's, it's it's out there. So, And then I've been here for three and a half years. Wow. So, yeah. you, so now we are in Crocker Island, yeah. just so everyone know. Um, so can you find, like, any differences between teaching back home and teaching here? Yeah, yeah, I can. Um I think differences in every school, I know mm. it's a bit of a cop-out, <laughs> but uh, everywhere you go, it's different. Um, I guess compared to teaching for three or four years down south uh, and up here is it's kind of a 24-hour job up in communities, so you're always a teacher, otherwise mm. you wouldn't be there. Um so the community doesn't really realise that you're not a teacher when you finish at four o'clock or whatever time you go home. Mm-hmm. Um, you are just you're on call almost. So um, in my early early days, I was a homelands teacher, so I actually lived in the school. I slept in the office on the ground uh, mm-hmm. in a swag, and uh, uh, my wife would be back in the main community, and I, I would. I'd be out in the bush on the beach, about 20 metres from the beach the school was. I'd look out the back and see crocodiles swimming past, literally. Um, yeah, so... Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that that was obviously very different to, say, a job, which down south, I mean, every, 
most teachers give their heart, but down south it is a, you know, nine to five type job or an eight mm. to three. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, up in up in the bush, particularly in that area, you're just on constantly. Mm-hmm. I was the only white guy in the community, so that was the main difference. Is I'm just I'm representing that Western culture, so anything like banking or um, this is 10 years ago, it's changed a bit now, but anything mm-hmm. like banking or internet or phones or cars <laughs> would all come to me because surely I would know, which I didn't most of the time. But, yeah, I think the difference is, is you're on 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the kids. The kids you're teaching are not necessarily worldly, worldly like um the kids so they're asking lots of questions like personal mm-hmm. questions rather than necessarily questions about education mm-hmm. so that that's another thing <laughs> that's a big yeah. change yeah. because they were more interested in you oh big yeah, time yeah, yeah. The, it's, all, the it's all about relationships my team. yeah can i ask you how many children do you have like in the class or i mean like the community like what's the number i can't even imagine yeah. if it's like normal school like 20 or seven or <laughs> Yeah, so we do some schools. Uh, my first community, we had 30 kids. I had 35 Whoa. in one class. They would come every day uh, <laughs> and tear it up. Um, the school we're in now in Croker Island is a little bit smaller. So mm-hmm. we have about 70 kids on the roll, and each class sort of has maybe 20 on the roll, and we get 10 to 15 each day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that can change. In the wet season, they can get up to 20, 25 as well. Um, it really depends on mm. on the seasons <laughs> and uh, what's happening in community. Yeah, it's funny because I didn't know before that kids stay, like all the family, when there is a funeral, like in the next island, so the whole family go to the uh, like yeah. island for the funeral and it's like so they miss out on the school like for uh, some period and then they come yeah. back. Yeah, culture's priority, yeah. And yeah, and we're still working that out as the department. I think we're getting better, but um, mm-hmm. there's still things we're working out. But everyone says, "Oh, you're an island, so your kids are always going to be there." But no, they travel. They travel mm-hmm. a lot uh, from one island to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, often wow. I'll often I'll pick up a kid on Thursday, and I'll go to get them on Friday, and they've gone to another island. So mm-hmm. it can happen pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would like to ask, it's really uh, interesting, I'm just listening because it's really interesting information for me. So I'm actually a teacher here in Sydney and I have the job, as you were saying, from nine to three. <laughs> so <laughs> what interests me is like uh, you you become as a close friend, almost a kind of like part of family, right? When you live in a community like this. So um i would like to know what's like the day schedule of uh, teaching in a school in a remote community, like the schedule of you or even the children. You know, it must differ from the city, I, I'm sure. So Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the balance too. So, yes, we are building relationships, but we also still have to have that, particularly as the principal now, I still have to be mm. a little bit authoritative. So um, that is that is the big thing because mm. for me in particular and and even with the staff as well, Uh, you know, I'll go fishing with people on the weekends, but mm-hmm. then on Monday I, I ask them to hand in a report or, yeah. you know, pick up their game or whatever or with a kid. 
a kid, you know, that might be at my house on the weekend in the garden helping me or um, we go fishing or hunting and then on Monday I'm yelling at them because they didn't get to school on time. I don't do that actually, but, you know, they're doing, <laughs> they're doing something silly. You know, it, that is that is difficult, the relationship. So, um, like you said, this it is almost 24 hours. But in uh, for my life at the moment, I've got uh, twin boys. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I have to start the day pretty early. So I get up at about 5 o'clock mm-hmm. um, and I get to have a coffee with my wife at about 5.30. That's mm-hmm. the time we get together. <laughs> and then I'm generally down at school between 6 and 6.30. Wow. And uh, mm-hmm. I try to get a couple of hours in before anyone else turns up. Uh, in saying that, we sort of, Martina can attest to this, um, we will have kids coming to school by 7, if not earlier. Um, ready for yeah. breakfast. So we serve breakfast from 7 till 7.30 and I've often got kids waiting ready for that. Uh, and then through the day, the usual recess, teaching, uh, and then we finish at about 2.30, 2.20. Mm-hmm. And then a bit of, bit of after school work. I can tend, because I get school early, I tend to get home by about 4, which is not too bad sometimes. Um, but obviously there's work to be done and then I'm on duty because my wife is also a teacher so she has to run down and get some work done (laughs) so I've got the boys but it's generally the same Um, Mm -hmm. you know sort of that nine eight or nine hours I'm guessing um, Mm -hmm. most teachers and and then lots of work on the weekends but um, but it's I think it's the, the the difficult thing and the difference between your job Barbara is the investment is actually outside of those hours. Mm, yeah. So, yes, you've got to do your job and you're at school for a minimum eight or nine hours. I think you have to. But then then the real work of, of investing in community and getting them to know you is after that. Yeah. And that's the difficult thing because you've then got to front up again and yeah. get to it. Yeah, that, that's that's the hard one. And, and most teachers kind of – end up picking if they want if they last then they do every both worlds well mm-hmm. uh, but often teachers end up either sinking themselves deeply into the school and sort of cutting themselves off from community or the opposite they end up all about community and and teaching and fall by the wayside mm-hmm. but that that's a huge balancing act and it takes time and um, you know myself I did three or four years teaching before I came up I th- you throw that out the window. That it's almost irrelevant mm-hmm. um, to what the context of what we're teaching in now. Mm-hmm. So if you if you compare like when you're teaching back home, like how's your day looks like? Like what, what do you actually teach kids? Can you say? Yeah. So we're obviously uh, so the kids here are still first language speakers, so they speak their own languages at home. Uh, so our major job is English. Uh, mm-hmm. So mainly because everything, maths, science and everything uh, to record that, you need a language and we use English. So um, English is – so we, st- we start at 8 and uh, we do English from 8 to 11.30 basically. We have a break in the middle of that for 20 minutes, but English takes up about three hours of our day. Mm-hmm. And then we focus on maths for an hour, 
and then the afternoons tend to be those other subjects of science, history, uh, obviously very English-based as well. So, yeah, yeah. our main job is to um, to speak English, to represent um, why English is important now in particular <laughs> in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a multicultural place, I really think that. Um, but it's just, you still need those basics, uh, basic skills. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us, like, what did you find the most challenging, like, about your job? Like to live in remotely and teaching. Yeah, you miss you miss family and events. We've missed lots of mm. weddings and things back home. Uh, mm. So, for instance, for us to get back into just Darwin, it's uh, about three hundred seventy dollars each way, uh, and that's the cheap one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not popping in there on a weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's it's cheaper to fly from Sydney to Darwin than it is for us to fly to Darwin, and Darwin's an hour away. So that that's difficult. Uh, we're very lucky with things like podcasts and um, <laughs> obviously all the social media. We can talk to family, but as everyone's learnt over the last year or two with COVID that, yes, we can communicate, but there's something about person to person and yeah. uh, and and I and I miss that a lot. So uh, yeah, I miss my family quite a bit. That's mm-hmm. probably the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is to uh, at the moment as a principal is that balancing act of I want friends and I want to be social, but uh, you know I, some people don't really want to be friends with their principal in a way. So that that's mm-hmm. a bit hard, um, and I understand that, and I. I get that when I was a teacher, I don't want to be hanging out with it's someone. Your boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and for me, the it's the it's the language I use because, you know, I might joke around with someone on the weekend, but they might take that to heart uh, as they see me as as that, or or the opposite, they don't see me as a boss and they just see me as a friend and mm. use me. And again, not the stuff here, but it is. It's one. It's something I think about a lot. Um, I want to be your friend. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm not your boss, but um, yeah. So those, those sort of things play—they're exaggerated in community, um, which I think we'll get to later about culture shock and things like that. Mm-hmm. The difficult things is you are in a beautiful place. Um, you know, there's lots of things happening, but you're not—you're not with people that you normally uh, hang out with. Uh, your family's not here, um, particularly now if my wife and we've got twin twin boys, we don't have any support uh, in that. So, mm. you know, it's if you're not holding two, you're holding one at least all the time. And so my wife's pretty awesome at that. But um, mm. that that is that that's it. I think it's just distance from family. Yeah, but mm. I think it's also pretty good, like because the co- how the community works. So. I think if you would like ask for help, like they could help you now, like the people around you. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think the staff are really good and they do yeah. look after our boys and things. But it's again, it then, yeah, it's not because family. they're not close. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, a yeah. you're asking a favor all the time. Mm. Uh, in yeah. my first community, we're very close with the local people there, uh, so we've got 
people I consider family there. So they would take the boys no matter what. Mm. But in this current community, it's a bit harder and a bit more difficult. Um, mm. And and communities' expectations are different, I guess. Mm-hmm. In um, so yes, we've had some people look after our boys for a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got friends that raise kids in community, and lots of friends actually that just love it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, young babies, and they'll leave the baby with a friend, and they come back and. They've latched the baby onto their boob, <laughs> feeding the baby. The baby is friendly, uh, looked hungry, so they whacked them on, like um, with all that sort of like, areas. But, it, but, yeah, it, it's sort of outside your world a little bit sometimes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. yeah that, I, that's it. Like there is, that is you are supported, but it's just maybe not the support that, in yeah. the way that you want necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. So I, I think we all would like to ask, that's really uh, interests me again, that uh, there must be some differences that you see, yeah, like in culture, obviously positives and negatives, and I would like to get into it. I think it's the time. What do you think, Martina? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She's the, she's the boss. I, I just have this in my mind no. for a while. And I, um, yeah, like what yeah. are the positives, negatives, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I, don't, I, think, I think it's just a viewpoint of what's positive and negative. Mm. Um, I, think within sure. the same, I think within the same day, one issue has been both positive and negative for me. So, <laughs> um, depending on my frame of mind, um, so obviously culturally different. So, um, I, for once in my life, I'm a minority, you know, in the community. So, my mm-hmm. viewpoint is not not the uh, not the common viewpoint. So, um, I think. Um, I guess our society, in a way, not dismisses things, but um, we we use science and we use maths and we have an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of spirituality is kind of missing from our culture a little bit because we've ruled it out with explanations. Yeah. Uh, whereas Indigenous communities that I've been in and the people, they've still got quite a bit of spirituality, so they still believe um, – you know, th- things could happen from spirits or um, an accident wasn't an accident, it was someone wishing ill on them. Uh, it didn't rain heavily because of um, El Nina or anything like that. It, mm. it happened mm. because That's someone nice. cheated cards or or they wanted it to rain too much or whatever. So that they are different. They are different things. Um, the The... The major positive, but also the major negative, is uh, for me, particularly someone that's very dependable on time and routine. Uh, indigenous people live for the moment, generally. I mean, I've also got some good friends that are definitely, you know, far more um, on time, yeah, on time than me. But <laughs> yeah. as a general and community. Um, they're living for the moment, so which is fantastic when mm-hmm. you're uh, when you're out hunting or when you're out fishing or whatever. But um, it's not great when you do have to tick off things um, 
so that that's a bit of a clash. Uh, but again, I love it. I love it. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it, it's a bit of a drag. So, for instance, um, a, good, a good friend of mine, I, I call him grandfather, over in Gapoyak. He wanted to go to wanted to go to another town, uh, and he just jumped in his car and he only had a quarter tank of fuel. It was clearly not enough mm. to get to that town, but he just went anyway, and just see. And obviously, to us, that's you know, to that, it, you know, it's really strange, almost silly, but that's <laughs> and and we laughed. But I, I got a call to go go looking for him, mm. and I went looking for him, and someone had picked him up. He'd had a feed. He was he was fine. The car was on the side of the road. I was the one that ended up filling it up. Like he was fine. Mm. He got the best deal out of it. Me threatening over it and thinking he was silly doing that. Well, that was that was my own fault, you know. Mm. And I've got examples like that where the ben- the you know the person that panics is the one that ends up yeah. being, you know, having the mm. the negative thoughts that. Uh, mm. <laughs> often they mm. if if you're carefree then you you're carefree. I mean a- again I, I should say that there is incredible um, cultural responsibilities uh, as well. So it's not mm-hmm. they're not just carefree for their whole life. They they do have um, many responsibilities mm-hmm. that I would then I would then question. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you why do you care that something's cut up that way or or that it's followed that process? Just chop mm-hmm. it down, like I say, it's a tree or a ditch. Um, but they've got a process and they follow it. And I'm questioning why are you doing it that way? Just do it like this. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's things like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. But Adam, after such a long time, because I love when you mentioned like they're living in a moment. Do you think it kind of like changed you as well? You know, like we like. Mm-hmm. We are always rushing somewhere and we are doing things in our way, as you mentioned, and they are doing uh, it in their way. Like, is there any like fusion when you realize, oh, like, actually, I love the way they are doing that. I'm just going to, like, you know, uh, change my yeah, perspective a little bit, let's say. Definitely. Yeah, I, I was probably pretty laid back to begin with, but um, certainly mm-hmm. just giving myself think time to think about things. Um has been hu- huge in my life. So mm-hmm. not try not to rush into something um, and think, well, hang on, we've got to get this done. It, it, yeah, it's been great to go, you know what, I'll just, let's just see what happens. And mm-hmm. and then the opposite way, like, let's do it. Let's just do something silly and see what happens. If we get bogged, then we'll deal with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had moments like that. Uh, and I think, I think, raising my family that's why we're trying to raise a family out here is we want our boys to to have that influence from community and they certainly have like um my boys have got um three different each no four different indigenous names they Mm -hmm. um they they've got some real actions that they do now that are very um, from this community, which they wouldn't have done before. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it does. It definitely influences you for the good as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have done it for 11 years or 10 years. But, um, yeah, it's 
Yeah, it goes both ways, and I hope I've impacted on some people as well. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Mm. Yeah, it's really uh, nice, like rewarding. I would say, <laughs> must be very rewarding to see the difference you're making. It, it <laughs> is. Yeah, you, you have to take. This is the other thing, which was a difference, Barbara. I think to what you do, is you really have to take the little wins out here. So if it's a kid walking in and sitting down and that kid didn't thump someone or swear at someone, then that's your little win. Um, you know, yeah. you're, not, you're not saving the world or anything like that. It's little wins that you go, you know what, that kid's really grown. Um, mm. Other people mm. might not see that, but for you, and, that, and that's, that's it for me. That, and they have to change those little goals. Like mm -hmm. when we first came to school, it was pretty, uh, you know, it wasn't well run and uh, we've kind of turned it around. But anyone mm -hmm. that comes here now would just go, oh, yeah, it's just a school. But for us, it's come a long way. So, yeah, mm -hmm. little things. That's very nice, yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I would like to also know, like, you know, when you are studying in the school and kind of in our culture is like, okay, I'm studying these subjects. I'm interested in this because this is the career I would like to achieve. Does it work in the communities as well? Like, do they, um, for example, is anyone like influenced and they tell you, oh, Adam, actually, I love what you are doing. I would like to be a teacher as well. Or... Yeah, yeah. Or astronaut. I had a kid, <laughs> I had a astronaut, kid on, yeah, yeah. I had a kid on Friday say, I want to be, I want to have your job. Um, <laughs> because I it just rattled through my drawer and found some lollies. So um, I don't. <laughs> I think he understands, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, we sort of do tailor, obviously, um, oh, it may not be obvious, but uh, community, people don't want to leave community, it's home, uh, and they've got cultural obligations, so it's not often that they'll actually move to Darwin or somewhere else, so then we kind of gear kids up for the jobs that are available here. So there's rangers, uh, there's clinic, teaching, working for the council, the shop, uh, and then there's probably touristy, uh, uh, you know, there's thing, oh, there's a creche as well. But there's probably, there's advantages to having skills in art and uh, people skills for tourist uh, opportunities as well. So. Yeah, we kind of gear the kids up for that. I mean, sure, if a kid came and said they wanted to be an astronaut, <laughs> we might we might not uh, squash their dreams and say that's impossible, but we would try to steer them in a direction where they they might be able to achieve it and maybe mm. they could be a pilot first. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> cool. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> So I would like to actually ask you, um, does government assist you and provide you with any accommodation at all or when you're living remotely? Yeah, so we're in the Northern Territory, as far as I'm aware, we're the highest paid teachers in, the, in Australia. Uh, mm. And then we also get a lot of great incentives. Mm. So in a community like where we are now, it's considered a Category 3 remote. So there's one, two and three. Um, so we're the highest incentives. So we get a house. Um, we've got quite a good house. Obviously, 
the more effort you put into making it home, the better. But uh, yeah, we're very lucky. Uh, we don't pay any bills, uh, just our own phone bill and uh, internet bill, um, personal stuff, but we don't pay power or, or water. Um, and yeah, and and then there's a school bus as well. Um, but we bring our own vehicles, but pretty much, yeah, everything's supplied. So within that accommodation, it's full, it's fully furnished. Uh, so there's lounges, fridge, everything. Um, mm -hmm. We've learnt over the 11 years to bring the little things like a coffee machine or a dishwasher. We've got a dishwasher <laughs> in our house with the boys. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's we're very well looked after. Um, mm -hmm. I will say it's not the type of thing that will keep you here. Um, the pay, yes, it's great, and and if it didn't matter, I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't be working for free. But it's not what keeps you in community. The house is not what keeps you. It's the relationships you build. Um, mm -hmm. I've actually was part of the Teaching the Territory team trying to get teachers to come, and and it is, you know, that the adventure, living on an island, mm -hmm. uh, working, learning new cultures, a free house, and pay, it's all amazing stuff. Mm. But you won't last more than six months if that's if that's it. Yeah. Mm. It, um, you have to build those relationships and mm. find those little wins, those little goals mm. that you want to set. Mm. So um, how long you can... Hello, sorry, Barbara. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I'll keep it. <laughs> I just wanted to know, like, how long you can work, like, in one community. Um, so I, my position here is uh, permanent, so I can work here for mm. fifty years. Yeah, um, but me I, I meant, sorry, I mentally. Meant mentally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so every, f if you do four years, you get uh, six months study leave. So you. Get, mm. And I think that's kind of a good marker. I think four years, four to five years is you're very mm -hmm. tired. So uh, Rihanna and I have been here for just almost not quite three and a half years, um, but we'd been in, we'd been teaching remote. Um, we had a little break in 2015. So from 2016, we'd been teaching remote till now. So we're kind of pretty tired. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and the teachers might think that too. So um, I would say four, four years is pretty good mark, five years. Um, after that. You need I, a break. Yeah, I think you need a break yeah. and a bit of a change mm -hmm. and community probably needs a change from you as well. Mm -hmm. If you're a teacher, that's fine. Principal, they probably need a bit of a change from you, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But can you um, come Sorry, <laughs> no, you go. No, yeah, you go. No, I just wanted to ask like, when you go on the break, like the study break you mentioned, can you come? Would you ever come back to the same community? Even though you mentioned like you need a, a little bit of change, but let's say like you because you create all those relationships and it's kind of like long time for five years. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, I hope no one's actually counting. I've said 11 years up here, but. Um, so we did four and a half years in Gapoyak and then we took a year's worth of leave uh, and we came back to that community in 2016 and finished off the year to make it five years there. So we did go back. Um, it was difficult. We've been back to that community lots and lots of times since, but 
going back there as a teacher was really hard because we had a new principal there. Um, things change. Yeah, things change. Uh, so we only lasted six months back back at a place that we absolutely loved mm-hmm. because it was um, it had changed. Uh, we still go back to the community on a family level and as a on relationship, we go back there nearly every year. Um, but but yeah, we couldn't teach there anymore for a while. I'm hoping to go back there one day as a principal. Maybe that will change it. But um, yeah, so we you can go back. Um, one of the teachers I really respected said, don't go back. Um, and it, in a way, he's probably right um, because it is different. Uh, but in saying that, uh, I'm taking some leave next year and I hope to come back to Crocus. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So you've been in Kapoviak for four years, did you say? Well, five, 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 five years, yeah. yeah. So we did four and a half, then we had a year's break and I then – um, and then we did six more months, yeah. so we did five there. So I think it's pretty interesting community, Gapuviak. Yeah, yeah. Like very um, cultural. Yeah, the further you sort of get uh, away from Darwin, obviously the impact of um, Western society is going to be less. So some of those communities are, are very, not completely traditional, but a lot closer than than mm. anything close to Darwin. So you're really seeing ceremonies and uh, languages that, you know, are, are really traditional. Mm. And untouched. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, been to, I've been to some places and probably seen some ceremonies and things that... You shouldn't. <laughs> no, 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 I was taken. <laughs> don't say that. No, I was taken, but uh, very... Anyone not from that culture, there's probably yeah. not many uh, people mm-hmm. that have been there not from that culture that I've seen. Yeah, yeah pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. That's good because I was reading about, um, it just said on Wikipedia, but it said like in 2017 there was a ceremony hold in Gapoviak school called Rom ceremony. Rom, yeah, Rom means law. Yeah, so they said like 500 people, they attended. Have you been there at the time? or? Uh, I wasn't there in 2017. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I was over in okay. I went Actually, I went there in 2017, but as a um, – just in a holiday. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, there's okay. lots of – I think there's lots of ceremonies that would not be reported. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've been to some which would have had, mm. a, yeah, four or 500 people there yeah. that wouldn't have made the news mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Any, like, uh, interesting story from <laughs> Kapoviak? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got plenty of stories. Okay, that, um, okay to share. <laughs> yes, um, there is ceremony that I can't necessarily talk about. Um, there's men's and women's ceremonies and things that are pretty respected. But, um, yeah, I, I've been involved in um, some young boys' ceremonies, which are pretty full on. So the boys are uh, <laughs> getting um, circumcised. Mm. And, uh, the in a traditional way? Uh, sort of, yeah. yeah. But the old men always joke. That they used to have to have a sharp rock, whereas now they use a razor. So that, that's um, that's uh, that's one ceremony that uh, I I love. So mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful ceremony. So it's obviously very important. Well, and um, the young boys are pretty nervous, and the whole ceremony is based to sort of obviously build respect. And um, but 
there's another part of it where the women actually dress up as men um, and try to joke and distract the boy. And this would be one of the only times where they play didgeridoo, the women, because they're pretending and mocking the men. And the mm. idea is to obviously lessen the pressure on the young boy. But, uh, yeah, it's really, it's a really interesting mm. uh, ceremony. <laughs> yeah, the, again, each community is different. Um, one of the major didgeridoo men called Jalu, he's a very important man. Um, he makes incredible didgeridoos and he's had art pieces all over the world, I think. His wife helps him build them and and you see her in the background playing them. <laughs> so oh, okay. it, it really depends on, um, on areas. But, yeah, certainly... Uh, obviously, it's it's more than just an instrument. It's a cultural mm -hmm. thing yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, um, do you have like a cooperation with Australian universities? Let's say uh, there is a young teacher and he would like to try to become or, you know, as you said, that six months or whatever period to help out and to get that experience, because obviously indigenous culture is super important in Australian culture overall. So if you have some programs or internship or prac or something like this, so the teachers yeah, who... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, did, I did my prac um, as a university student. I did it up in the Northern Territory, and that's what got me. Uh, but that, it wasn't a program or anything. It was just, um, you know, by word of mouth type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, now we've got a really good team. It's called Teaching the Territory. And uh, and they travel to universities. Obviously, not now. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so last year, last year I I did a bit of it, and I was just skyping to different universities, talking about the lifestyle and 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 teaching up here. Um, mm -hmm. So we do we do uh, the the department does advertise um, mm -hmm. quite heavily in Victoria. I think. Um, mm. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure why. I think just historically a lot of Victorians have come up here trying to get away maybe from Victoria. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, we, they do heavily and also in country um, country universities too, mm -hmm. I think. Um, yeah, so there's no, there's no set uh, agreement or anything with universities that I know of, but um, – they do go to several unis and, and advertise. Um, we've also, I mean, definitely if you're a young teacher, look up Teaching the Territory, um, this great Facebook page and uh, a video of me on there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some really fantastic teachers across the Territory in different areas mm -hmm, just explaining mm -hmm. different things. Um, but, yeah, there's the sort of – it, it's really hard to find out if you will um, mm. survive, if you'll be successful in remote. Yeah. There's no – you can't just target people that are like me because my wife has also been successful and she's mm -hmm. very different. Yeah. Um, and then there's probably is people like me that something came up in their life and they had to leave and didn't get to or – they just didn't get past certain things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of – the other thing in the differences is, um, is you know, worldview stuff like um, how we look after our dogs compared to people here, 
it's very different mm-hmm. uh, value on on kids like um, you know we would want our kids in bed by seven o'clock and whereas family <laughs> family loves their kids so much here that um, you know the kids probably um, get away with a lot more than what I would have but that's out of love and not out of anything else so you know there is differences um, and that that is the main thing that people struggle with when they come up here <laughs> but you just mm. you just have to get past that you know it's not anyway but that that's the hard thing about trying to target teachers is mm-hmm. you don't know who who's going to work up here what um, but in the end give it a go get up here and and give it mm. a crack that's that's the main thing and then if it doesn't work out it, it is a bit sad for the kids because their community is mm. constantly investing. They're yeah. investing every teacher and a teacher go, comes and goes. Mm-hmm. But we have to try and we just have to get better at retaining teachers somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can I ask you, so what is the like the hiring process? Because as a principal now, I guess you are also like the first person when someone would like to go to the Crooked Island and become a, well, not become a teacher, but like be part of the community and be a teacher there. How do you do it? How do you like, is it like the <laughs> CV thing and then like two interviews or how does it look? Because it might be like different, I guess, to. So we have a yeah. pool, we have a pool, um, a pool where you sign up. Um, and so I'll look at the website and see who's on it and who's interested in going remote. Um, that's sort of the formal way. Uh, often a friend of a friend of a friend or um, I get a lot of calls because I've got mm-hmm. kids in community. Uh, I get recommended for people to talk to me if they have families and so mm-hmm. I suss them out if they're looking to go remote. <laughs> I see if they're interested. Um, what the Yeah, so I've got teachers ready for next year coming up and – Both of them just called the school, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it wasn't. Um, but as soon as I talked to them, I went, "Ah, oh, yeah, yep, you're telling me the right things here." So mm-hmm. one of them's already in the territory, and another one's not. But um, yeah, it's again, I might be looking for something different from another principal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sort of still in a real um, rebuilding um, our culture here, our school culture, not. Indigenous culture. Uh, so, yeah, we're really looking for teachers that are really keen to uh, set up processes and things like that. So, but also, um, I'm big believer in relationships with the community. So, you have to have both. For me, mm-hmm. that's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And have you been adopted to any family in Gapuviak? Yeah, yeah. So, um, across all three communities, I've had. Mm. Um, Uh, I now have skin names and and names. Um, mm. It's actually worked out, even though when I went to Nunmarianga, it was a thousand kilometers away. It actually worked out that it was the same, even though it's very. It's like a you know, it's like Japanese to um, English to Russian. The languages are completely different, and the culture is completely different. Mm. But it did actually work out that um, across. People knowing someone and knowing someone that I was exactly the same skin okay. in a way. So, so for instance, here 
Um, the skin I have is Nangarich, mm-hmm. um, but they worked that out because they know people over in Gapawiak. So I'm Balang over in Gapawiak. So they just match the two. Yeah. It's the same. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think, can you explain as well, like, what is a skin name? Yeah, yeah, so? sure. Mm-hmm. So a skin name, um, basically, um, basically everything in the world, um, or, or let's, I won't go back that far. <laughs> so a skin is you're inherited from your mother. So your mother has a skin name and, and you already know what name your kids are going to be. It's not your first name or anything like that. It's how you relate to someone. Mm-hmm. And so this is where all the manners, um, all uh, ceremony, all laws are all based on this system sort of thing. So uh, I can walk into a room and I'll know my relationship with everyone. Uh, and why that's important is because uh, obviously historically um, you had set wives and you had uh, set relationships. Um, but instead of, because a big thing is when people come to community, oh, they didn't say thank you or anything like that. And that's because the men are tied up within the relationship. So if if you're my father, then um, you don't have to say thank you to me because that's the relationship. I just do things for you out of respect. Mm-hmm. So there's no no need for please and thank you because it's all tied in together. Mm-hmm. And the same um, if you're my wife, even though you're not my wife but you're that relationship, we still have that connection of caring for each other and looking after each other. Um, uh and so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. So the skin kind of governs that. So um, I can walk down the street and know that if someone's the same skin, they're probably my brother, mm-hmm. maybe, or possibly a grandfather, and that's how I relate to them. Oh, that's so amazing. I don't. That's amazing. Well. Yes. So if there's a, if I've got a sister in the room, mm-hmm. if I know she's my sister, then I'm not going to act stupidly and talk about my body and be silly because I show her that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's spread across thousands of people. So um, it's a pretty interesting thing. That's really yeah uh, of use. I mean, that would be nice if uh, yeah, that's a nice like tradition, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and that, and that governs everything. So um, ceremonies of the, the nephew looks after. So say um, my. Um, my uncle passed away, then I would be the one to, to sort of look after the ceremony. That's my duty as the nephew and things like that. It's it's mm-hmm. very – it seems complex and it probably is um, to us, but it's it's just second nature. You, you talk to a three-year-old here and they know it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is – like I would like to ask if the skin name can actually change because of the relationship, like – relationship changes or it just stays the way it is yes, <laughs> your, your skin name is is it it's you mm-hmm. it's 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 all of you and yeah that means you can be adopted once only it it say again like, white people white <laughs> people you know complicating <laughs> things obviously adoption or adoption didn't exist um before because everyone was already <laughs> indigenous already had it mm-hmm. um 
the 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 adoption things come in because they want to be able to relate to people and know where they stand. So now they adopt people in um, so that they can relate to them a bit more. So that that's where it's come from. So um, yes, you could in a, in a different community. It's like it'd be like um, being Australian and and you've got your family and that's how you act and everything and then you go to Japan and you start acting like a Japanese person with the way they eat and everything like that. And so um, so you could, you could go and get another skin and it would be very different. But mm-hmm. because the Northern Territory is so small now, mm. um, community members know other community members from that, even if it's 2,000 kilometres away. Mm. so so they they just work it out like mm-hmm. you just say oh so for here for instance i just said oh um balang and they go oh well you're this who do you know this person i'm like yeah i know that person that's my grandfather all right perfect you're th- <laughs> this is you whereas Ngan Mayanga was a little bit different because it it is completely different um and so i just was adopted um without consulting Young or anything like that, like East Arnhem Land. Mm-hmm. But as I was saying, it did actually work out. About two years later, I worked out that it would have, it was the same anyway. Mm-hmm. It worked out. So, if anyone is interested in this sort of thing, um, you can study some of the languages at Charles Darwin University. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're learning the language, which will probably be difficult, but the cultural aspects are with tied in with it, of course. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, there's obviously a whatever. I don't know how long we've been speaking for. Probably a long time, but um, it, it's hours upon hours mm-hmm. upon hours, probably mm-hmm. um, to trying to try and understand the the differences, mm. yeah. and different expectations, and yeah, yeah. yeah. But it comes with every language, I think, like if you are learning, you need to, because it comes hand in hand with like the cultural things as well. Even when you start like with um, greeting someone or yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, you know, like our common sayings and things, I'm sure you yeah, guys have yeah. a, a, try to translate it. Oh, I'm still it, struggling. <laughs> sound, you, if you translate it word for word, it's just completely mm. meaningless. Yes. Um, and and that's I think that's the same across communities. Mm. Um, we, we have to remind ourselves in Australia that Australia is such a big place, and um, you know there was there was hundreds of nations across Australia, mm-hmm. and so the, the the danger which with all terms with language is with like words like indigenous is we're covering complete different people under the one word. So you can't just blanket term that. And I've only learnt that through work living and working communities. Even even within Yungle communities, one community to another is influenced by what language they spoke originally. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, yeah, that that's it. Like there's just so many differences and intricacies mm. and, yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, sorry. So you, I'm just interested. You, you must have, you must speak like um, probably fluently with some of the languages, right? Definitely one. Uh, <laughs> like, unfortunately, 
Yeah, we're not as talented as the uh, <laughs> as Europeans or uh, other people over. Who, I, I, I don't think as, so. But <laughs> Australians, Australians don't really. We're not very. We're getting better, I think, at being bilingual or multilingual. But uh, yeah, uh, I I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but uh, mm-hmm. I know a fair bit of Yungamata. I, I certainly mm-hmm. am losing it. I've been away from there for. Um, five years, six years, so I, I am losing it. So I'm a bit mm-hmm. bit worried. I'm going to go back next year and try and immerse myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I know a fair bit of Yungamata. I know l- little bits of about three or four more mm-hmm. languages. Wow, yeah. Because you, you, you pronounce it in such an easy way, all the Aboriginal names, and I'm just uh, like, wow. <laughs> How do you know? I could be lying. I, I mean, I believe, I believe it 100%. <laughs> Um, so, interestingly, we're talking about Yungo people and the 16 clans, and each one has their own language. So, um, they pronounce some words. Some words are completely different, but some are very similar but have a diff- different ending. So, um, mm-hmm. Duwal means here, uh, the word Duwal, but other other people within that same nation would say Duwala. Or Doanji. Um, so it's just slightly different. And when you're talking, it sounds completely different. So, mm. yeah, there's, there's lots of different things. <laughs> Do you think that culture is a little bit dying in some parts of the Aboriginal community? or? I, I think culture is just culture and it, it is what it is. I think traditional mm. culture in that sense, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, like us, you know, like mm. we cultures start to blend and you, lo- you some things stay strong and remain retain, mm-hmm. but other things are lost. Like um, you talk to old people and, you know, they had an incredibly scientific language about, say, the branches on a tree. Like each, the second second little branch would have a name and the third one because the flower might be different on that. Mm. Well, What's the need of that language now? There's, they're, they're not... They don't need that in-depth understanding of that tree anymore because mm. you just go and buy the fruit from the shop or whatever. Mm. That, that's a terrible like, example, but mm. but that 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 what they considered a scientific language is pretty much gone because it's not really needed. Mm-hmm. So and then with it, that practice goes as well. Um, and the other thing is, uh, yeah, old people. Are dying, <laughs> and yeah. um, and so the the things that they have in their head is going with them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I would, I'd say, in also that there's also a culture building this new, and it could be could be a negative thing or it could be a positive thing. But this the new culture that's happening in communities where they are sharing um, sharing knowledge and stuff is really exciting. But as far as traditional, yes, of course, I think different elements are fading away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was speaking to a lady here who's my sister, um, so I won't say a name even though I do, but I, I'll try to respect her on here. <laughs> um, she doesn't care. She calls me by my first name. So that's differences, whereas I've got other sisters that if I said their name, I would be, I don't know, blacklisted. Um, so... You yeah. can't say the sister's name. Yeah, out of respect, you wouldn't say their name. Oh, okay. Um, I'm talking about Isabel. 
Um, so <laughs> she doesn't really care. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so she um, she was spe- I was speaking to her yesterday, and uh, her brother passed away a few months back. And I said, so what? Hang on, what? Because you're speaking your mother's language now. What was your father's language? And she said it, and I won't try to attempt what it was because I can't remember. Started with a W. And I said, so who speaks that? And she said, nobody. Um, Her brother and sister who have both passed away um, were the only ones left speaking that language. Wow. And we're not talking just like, you know, this is a full language that's just gone. That's it. Never again. Um, So, yeah, and you can imagine that always gets me thinking about even Europeans and mm. how many languages have just been ruled yeah. out. Yeah, mm. that's true. Yeah. Pretty interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, there must be some people like, uh, I bet, I don't know, I'm the, this is my question, like who are like hunting these kind of languages and they're trying to keep it alive, like they're super into it. Yeah, mm. yeah, there's lots of linguists that are getting grants mm. all over the place trying to get it, but... Um, be hard yeah, to like. when there's no one to speak it left. So, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, another lady I know, she's one of the last, I think she is the last to speak this language, and so the, we just organised for her just to sit and talk and tell stories, mm-hmm. and we yeah. recorded it. And Yeah. So there is lots of people doing that sort of thing, but um, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's very difficult, mm-hmm. particularly, particularly when it depends upon that person being willing to want to share it when there was normally a process for this. You don't just teach a language. You have to go through Mm. ceremony. You have to have earned the right to learn it. And then we come up and go, oh, no, we need to keep it for prosperity. Well, they say, well, no, I'd rather take it Mm -hmm. do it the right way. That's what I wanted to ask, like if there are any books left or like in the writing, you know, like the language which is going to be gone, like only one person is left there. If you can just ask them if they are willing to do that, like to write down the stories and the translation or it's not possible. So, Well, so it's an oral language. So you have to to make up the written language. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the beauty of linguists. Uh, they are very intelligent people, and so they do have phonetics now that they, uh, um, for certain sounds, they they have put a written symbol. Mm-hmm. It's obviously ABC pretty much, but they do have slight yeah. differences with accents and things like that on top of it. So they mm-hmm. could probably, but you would mm-hmm. have to get someone um, to sit down and try and write it, and then that person might not know that that sound so what happened in the early days when they were trying to do some of these languages were we can't i can't hear some of the sounds to me it sounds like a d and it's actually a r but mm-hmm. the way they place their tongue mm. is is different and so that that's what's happened a lot with words like didgeridoo and kangaroo and mm-hmm. uh, all these indigenous words they weren't originally the name it just was what it sounded like or what they thought they heard Hmm. i mean didgeridoo is not i think it comes from the sound it makes didgeridoo but um but there's lots of words Hmm. that have just been misunderstood but Mm -hmm. yeah it is it it, uh, there's lots of linguists up here doing some really good things um 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's not an easy job. Yeah. Yeah. And not because mm-hmm. we are actually living here now at the moment with you. And uh, I realized like they are actually Aboriginal people. They are incredible hunters. Yeah. And yeah. So have you been like experiencing like any like hunting? Yeah. Stuff <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a really good point is, and that's another thing is my job is to speak English and teach English and um, the, because the kids are ESL and because they don't uh, necessarily learn the way that, we're trying to teach them half the time. Mm. They they fail a lot in in English, and um, you know they're they're behind. And so it's really really nice uh, to see them when, at things that they're good at. Mm-hmm. And they're very uh, mm-hmm. most kids are very artistic, um, very active, very sporty, very um, social. And so that is nice, and we try to do that. We try to bring that out in a lot of our activities. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, hunting, uh, I've seen some incredible things, um, <laughs> you know, from jumping on crocodiles to spearing mm-hmm. huge oh, sharks yeah. and stingrays and things like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's they're very talented. But I still, yeah, I still remember in my first or second year, um, I wasn't hunting, it was actually sport, but mm. <laughs> I played cricket my whole life and I was terrible and I decided to run cricket on the beach and these kids couldn't miss the stump. They just couldn't miss. <laughs> and I was just so frustrated and angry <laughs> at how actually talented they were. Wow. Um, and, of course, I've seen that it, that same mm. action comes from mm-hmm. throwing rocks at birds or mm. um, throwing spears or... Uh, or whatever. So, yeah, that, they do have an incredible talent. Again, more some more than others. There's a lady here that um, she's also a sister. I won't say her name. Um, she is just a huntress. She You cannot go anywhere without her either filling three buckets of oysters. You, you've met her. Yeah. Um, catching ten fish and you've caught none or one. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just unbelievable and it's just pure skill and obviously hours upon hours of doing it. Mm. So uh, I, I just would like to ask, um, so you supply usually um, just why, via like natural resources or, I mean, obviously you have some things coming, I don't know if boat or, or plane, <laughs> but mostly like, in terms of food, are you able to just live on that that you get from the island? <laughs> uh, if you had time, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I've got to teach for a while and pretend <laughs> to be a principal too. Um, so, mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, community wise, I reckon maybe not homelands communities, I reckon they're about 50 50, I reckon, a lot mm-hmm. of their protein. A lot of their proteins would be caught naturally, um, but people are pretty dependent upon things like flour and sugar yeah. now. So, yeah. um, <laughs> as far as us, as far as yeah, sugar. <laughs> I, I, I need some now. I wish um, like there's like a family that is just like living that way, like you know, that's just like no, there's 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 not really. I, not that I know of anyway, that mm-hmm. there's anyone mm-hmm. that's just pure 
people out in the homelands, which I probably I've been talking about that, and I better clarify that. So each nation which we were talking about is broken up into clans, and they mm -hmm. were the ones that speak a certain language. Well, they all came from a certain area. Um, so I guess you could call it a town. There's no towns there, but an area. Um, and when missions started up here and communities, people all moved into these big centres where there was water or a timber mill or whatever, a mine. Mm. And then about in the 70s, they started saying, no, you, you can go back to where you're from, your homeland, and we'll build a house there. And so people actually started going back to kind of where their family was from. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there might be three or four houses out in the bush on solar panels or generators or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and those people that move back to them are certainly more healthy. They're not getting into the shops as much and, and they're um, also culturally back in their home space so they're mentally a lot better and as well as physically mm -hmm. with food. So that was a big push. So, yeah, th those people would be eating a lot healthier, but they're still, you know, eat eating flour, you know, damper and bread and stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. um, for, for me, this is super interesting because before coming to Australia, I, I didn't really know a lot about Indigenous culture. I mean, we talked about it, right, with the girls yeah, before. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's like you know, uh, super special. So I was just wondering if, if because a lot of our friends will probably listen to this podcast <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of new information. Is there is something that, um, I don't know, if there is some, I don't know, book or apart from all the information you gave us, if there's some literature they can maybe, you know, check and get to know like the details of, you know, the history and like the beginnings. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, there isn't actually a lot because it's still... Mm -hmm. You know, like um, good friends of mine, people that I've talked with or consider family, um, some of them were born in the bush. They don't actually don't know how old they are. Like we're not anyone sort of over 60, 70 um, over in East Arnhem was still born in the bush. So <laughs> I remember walking with this one guy and I said, how old are you, Grant Moore? Uh, like grandfather? And he said, I don't know, 50? 60? <laughs> I didn't know. He had no idea. And um, and it means nothing to him. Like he doesn't know when his birthday is. Or, uh -huh. and, and he's got a birthday because some nurse when he was seven or whatever picked a date and said, oh, he looks about this old, I guess. But, um, yeah, that, yeah. so that all that stuff's um, we, we're still learning a lot. And, again, because it's – before it was quite precious, it's precious knowledge and sacred knowledge. It's very hard to share in the way that we want it to be shared. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of books, um, but the one that as soon as you ask that question, it's called um, Donald Thompson in, I think it's called Donald Thompson in East Island Land. Um, Donald Thompson. T H O M P S O N. Mm -hmm. He uh, he was he was sent up from the Victorian government to actually try and work out um, how to farm the land up in East Arnhem and how to sort of um, either compensate or um, deal with the indigenous people up in East Arnhem. Mm -hmm. And he ended up living there and loving it and taking photos and 
going back and sort of saying, actually, they've got it the right way. We should be more like them mm-hmm. type thing. Uh, that's a, uh, Obviously, that's my impression of the book. Um, but have a read of it because he, he actually lost a lot of photos, but there's incredible photos in there about some really awesome ceremonies and things that happen. Mm. Um, so that's that's one. Um, there's uh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> there's another I wrote one. it down. It's I'm, I'm googling it right away. Yeah. <laughs> there's another one on the tip of my tongue, which I can't quite um, think of. It's you or something. Oh, why warriors lay down and die? It's called mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, why warriors lay lay down and die. Uh, I've that book. I have I have some issues with that book as well, but it does have a lot of information in it mm. that is different from the worldview that yeah. most people probably have. So and they are like true information. They're not like for East Arnhem Land. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. And, and again, so that's not going to speak for where we are now with Martina. Croker yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Island's very different, mm. and the other places I was talking about very different. But that for East Arnhem Land. Those two books are pretty pretty cool. Oh wow! Um, Thank you. Thank you for the yeah. No, that's all right. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, I guess, with everything is um, like I I've tried to every time I go to a new community, I try to Google it or whatever. And it, particularly when I first went to Gapuyak, it didn't exist. In fact, if you if you Typing Gapoyak now, you might find my old podcast of when I first started up there, <laughs> mm. which I haven't heard for eight or nine years. But um, but there's there's not much. Um, so mm. if you do find things, don't like everything. Mm-hmm. Don't read into it too much. Um, you know, it's mm. there's a lot of people that come and go into these places and give their opinion and make money out of it and. Probably don't necessarily understand, mm. um, but th- those two books and that that why warriors is uh, for me um, probably a different political standpoint from me, but I still enjoyed it because yeah. there was some really interesting things in there. It was interesting uh, film we actually saw with David uh, was one with ten called Ten Canoes. Oh uh, yeah, so that's 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 a really people. good one as well. Like you can watch it on YouTube. And there's another one that's just come out um, last year. Ah, oh, I forget what it's called, um, but it Something. it's actually got Jimmy who works it here. All right. Um, he's in it, so oh, it's cool. a good movie. Um, G- Jimmy was actually in a movie called Crocodile Dandy as well. Oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's in this one, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, Ten Canoes is great. Yeah, it's and- actually. Sorry, it actually made me to like think differently, like about Aboriginal communities, so I can understand it better. I think now after watching that movie. So mm-hmm. the, the people in that movie, I've met a couple of them because they're young. So they're they're young people. So I think they're speaking Jumbra Not that that means anything to you guys, but <laughs> I think they're speaking that language mm-hmm. within that movie. Um, yeah, so that's East Arnhem Land. And then we're in West Arnhem now, so there's like about 15 to 20 different languages over here mm. from that one. But, yeah, it, it'll paint a picture for you. Mm. But I was just thinking because, you know, um, back home, like uh, we have a gypsy community, which are 
uh, Romans and they are like, because they're living uh, in Slovakia for more than like 600 years, I would say, or maybe 500, like long time. And uh, for them, it's still really hard to adapt to like our culture, I would say Western culture. Yeah. So mm. like, is it for Aboriginals, like probably it's still hard like to adapt like to this culture and they find like priorities probably different for them. Like hunting is more like for them as a priority, like as an education. Yeah, of course. I think, um, yeah, I think we've just got to get better at how we teach the kids. Yeah. Um, I and how we look at it. So we want kids to come to school, but we also want them to be strong in a culture and yeah. Um, just try and, every day. Yeah, but at the moment, so for instance, we some kids, if they don't, or all kids, if they don't come to school, we mark them as absent. But if they're at a ceremony, shouldn't that count as some sort of learning and not necessarily be absent? Mm. And that's something that I think the mm. department now in the Northern Territory is really s- starting to understand. Mm. And then we sort of look at, all right, well, let's run culture programs. But look at me, I, I, I found myself teaching Aboriginal languages and things and I'm not the person to be doing it when there's an opportunity for them or that's what they do at home. Mm-hmm. So we've just got to work out the right the right way um, yeah. to do it. And then I think, look, there's no doubt the kids are super intelligent and, and, and talented. Mm-hmm just not in the way that we're measuring them. And, yeah. you know, the old, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> measure a fish by the way it climbs a tree or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's very difficult. And so, yeah, I, of course then, what are you going to do as a kid? You're going to go to school and feel like you're hopeless or you're going to stay home and go hunting with your uncle where you can actually dominate and do something? Well, not even that. Stay at home and play games, even if it's that. You're mm-hmm. still going to be better at that than how you feel at school. And that's mm. something that we're, we're we've just got to work out. Yeah, um, we're getting there. We're getting better. Yeah, um, but yeah, it it is. It's. I mean, I <laughs> I hate change. I hate. Uh, I'm stuck in my ways a fair bit. So I can't imagine the hundreds of years of of mm. this culture and then having to change. It, it's it's yeah. difficult. The same like for example, we 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 live in Japan. And it will be totally different for us as well. Yeah, and you might pick up some things. Like you yeah. might start loving sake. Yeah. Um, but but you <laughs> might, and, and that's the issue, right? So you might mm. start loving sake, but you totally miss the ceremony behind it. And mm. so you're just smashing sake, and you're like, oh, I'm being Japanese, but really you're not. Yeah. You're not this is a terrible example. No, but, I understand. <laughs> but yeah. you're not following the ceremony and the mm. history of of that drink yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. the same you know we we've opened up our, opened up this world which has amazing things like phones and stuff mm. yeah and and kids are using them and probably much better at it than me hmm. but they're using them in a way maybe not of not what they're intended for and mm-hmm. and that's something we're battling mm. yeah. constantly yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking what you said is for us the same uh, that when we came to Australia, like obviously naturally we find some Slovak friends, you know, at the beginning, but then it's super important to get into culture, into Australian culture, you know, 
And exactly, sometimes I feel like I I have, like now I'm leaving for some time, we'll see. But uh, I feel like that's the truth. You know, that's why that's, like, at the beginning, it's probably a little bit uncomfortable because you, you have the ways, as you said. But now I feel like I have grown and I, and I found the ways, like I really love Austrian culture, I can say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's absorbing. Yeah. Like you, you do it naturally with time and yet. But also we pick up only the things we like as well. For so, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you, and see, and you guys have come from a culture that's similar in a way. Uh, and, and that's the hard thing here is coming from the language wasn't written down. Uh, com- it's completely about no, um, nomadic lifestyle and hunting mm-hmm. and fishing and surviving. And, and so for that to then go, oh, no, you can just turn up and, tell kids words and just do that for eight hours a day and you'll get paid like mm. it obviously it's been a hundred years but it's still going to be a big a long time mm. yeah. yeah interesting stuff i've just seen here there's a question did you always have a luxury of shower oh, aircon yeah. in your own, own house? <laughs> um <laughs> no so when i was a homelands teacher i literally slept on the floor i had a swag um oh. mm. and no aircon, and the oh. fans would just move the hot air around and the power would turn off <laughs> in the middle of the night. And I woke up one night and thinking my wife was was patting my head, but I remembered where I was and she was 200 kilometres away. And it was Someone a, else. a large rat making, no <laughs> making a nest in my hair. Oh, no. And I kind of woke up and I went oh. to sort of grab my wife's hand Mm. I realized it wasn't my wife's hand, it was this fairy animal, and I chucked it across oh, the road. Romantic. Oh. Um, and you know, <laughs> I had the other one, this kid yeah. kid came up and um he was really torn. He didn't know whether to tell me or not. And I said, What's going? He said, uh, I was going through your drawers, like through my desk drawers. <laughs> and, and and I was like, Oh, I was just about to, you know lose it and say, well, what are you doing going through my drawers? But he said, but there's a snake in the drawer. So mm. lucky I did go through, otherwise yeah. you would have got bitten. And I went in, <laughs> I went into the drawer and there's a, a, a brown snake, a king brown, wrapped around um, a pencil case and a stapler and everything in the drawer. Oh it, it wasn't huge, but it wasn't tiny either. <laughs> and there was this brown snake sleeping in, in my drawer. I would so. just lock it and like, <laughs> still there. Then he wouldn't find, you know, then he wouldn't save the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it, it's a life yes, probably. <laughs> life so probably. Certainly here on Croker it's a little bit nicer, but there's still elements where it's pretty hard sometimes. Yeah. But you were saying as well that because you have to make lunches as well, like during the day, and then one time he was telling me that you made lunch and like a pig, <laughs> pig at it all. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a pig called Olivia, and she used to line up. She used to sit, the kids would line up for lunch, and she'd sit at the end of the line, dead set, on a, like two legs, oh. bum on the ground, and would sit and wait. And when the line moved up, she'd get up and sit like a dog. She was incredible. Anyway, I'd have to defrost bread or whatever, and we didn't. Um, I'd get it out in the morning, and I used to put it on the roof, but the crows started stealing it. So I then had to put it on the table so that this stuff would defrost, and Olivia would jump up. I mean, she was 150 kilos by the end of it. She was a big pig. <laughs> She'd jump up and steal all the bread, and I'd run after her, and she's got 
you know, 12 buns in a mouth or oh, no. running. Um, yeah. Olivia. Another time uh, the frid- the power went off in the fridge, so the fr- everything in the fridge oh. that I thought was there had gone off. And so we had no food. And so I told the assistant teacher, I said, I'm going to go catch a fish and we'll cook that up. Mm-hmm. I was kidding myself. I was basically <laughs> just running away. Anyway, um, this was at lunchtime. And I ran, I ran like I was a lot fitter then. And I ran uh, like a K to this spot where I knew I knew I was going to get a fish. <laughs> and my third cast, um, I caught this a meter 20 fish. so quickly ran back and there we go we had lunch for the day so um yeah there's some really nice cool fun things Mm -hmm. um and i have it's good talking about it because i have to remind myself now as a principal that you can still do those things it's still nice it's not all about Mm -hmm. results all the time yeah Mm. yeah yeah and every day is different and every day must be different like you have New day, new experience. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, thank, yeah, you, thank you so much. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Like, wow, thank you. Yeah. Thank you again. It was amazing. Please, hopefully, was, uh, people are going to like this very... because I think it was very informational. And <laughs> yeah, a lot. Very <laughs> interesting. Okay. Maybe we can answer some of the questions in the next one if they yeah, like it. Yeah, let's do the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we covered the main things. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. I would much. like to hear more stories, though. Thank you again, Adam. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lovely to wow. meet you, girls. All right. Bye-bye. See, See you. Bye.